Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. This is Brad Lambert from Team Finland. I'm Oscar Olesen from Team Sweden. Hey, this is Dylan Grand. Hi, I'm Lane Hudson from the U.S. National Team. Dion Mishak. Fabian Lucell. Cole Perfetti. Hey, it's Jake Sampson. I play for Team USA. Major Junior. Hey, this is Matthew Kachuk of the London Knights. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. Hey, it's Alex Dabrinkit from the Erie Otters. Gerald Dubois from the Cape Breton Screen Eagles. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Mooseheads. This is John Gunther of the Emerson Oil Kings. NCAA. Hey, this is Noah Hannafin from Boston College. Hey, it's Troy Terry from the Denver Pioneers. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. It's Dylan Hollis from the Wisconsin Badgers. The NHL Draft. U.S. Lovkovsky from TPS. Hey, this is Kevin Krasinski of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, guys, it's Cutter Goche from the U.S. National Team. Hi, it's Matt Savoy with the Winnipeg Ice. Hey, this is Sarah Manzel from Shaska High School. Nessa Goche, I play for the Quebec Ramparts. This is Ty Nelson from the North Bay Battalion. Hey, it's Dylan James from the Sioux City Musketeers. This is Rieger Lorenz from the Okotoks Oilers. And more. And welcome to the Pipeline Show. And this is the Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. Pipeline Show. The Pipeline Show. Good weekend, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Pipeline Show with Key Flaming. That's me. Might not sound like I normally do. It's just because I am, uh, I've am i been under the weather f- since last week, actually. And, uh, well, I came down with something. Uh, there's lots going around uh, schools right now. I don't have kids at school anymore, but uh, not sure how I came across whatever this is. But uh, it's uh, knocked me on my butt here for the last week. Uh, last weekend voice was really shot. I wasn't able to actually compile the show and get it out last weekend. And this week I haven't been able to do any interviews except one. I got one interview done. So I'm going to kind of uh, mash last week's episode and this week's episode together. So three interviews from last week and one from this week. That's what's going to make up this week's episode. I apologize for that. Not ideal and not what I had planned, but didn't want to go another week without putting out a show. So uh, I'm doing what I can. The Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Their website is wilhockbeefjerky.com, W-I-L-H-A-U-K, beefjerky.com. Normally what I would do is I would go through all the CHL, the CJHL, the USHL, the NAHL, and the NCAA and update you on leading scores and the top 20s and, and top 10s and, and things like that. Uh, this week, just uh, because of my uh, health condition right now, uh, we're going to skip all of that. I'm going to touch on some uh, some quick news and notes, uh, tell you uh, the guest list for this week, and then uh, we're going to get right to the show. Oh, and some quick thoughts on the whole uh, Mitchell Miller situation that kind of wrapped up last week, and because I didn't do a show last weekend, uh, I wasn't able to get my thoughts out at that time. The story of the WHL this week have has been uh, transactions, trades, lots of big trades across the WHL since the last time I put out a show. It started uh, with uh, a couple of moves the Edmonton Oil Kings made with the Kamloops Blazers, two separate trades, uh, but Kamloops adding Shea Van Ohm in a, a smaller deal for a seventh-round pick, and then they picked up a big Jakob Demick, the Vegas Golden Knights prospect. I paid a big price for that. Uh, now, that some of these are conditional picks, but a first, second, third, and a fourth rounder all going to the Oil Kings. A couple of those uh, in the middle of the second and the third are conditional. Now, Demick has been on the shelf, has not played a single game this year because he had off-season uh, shoulder surgery, uh, but he is expected to be back, I believe, in January 
uh, or February, so just in time here for the stretch drive into the playoffs. And uh, you know the Blazers are hosting the Memorial Cup, and Demick had a wonderful Memorial Cup uh, for the Oil Kings. I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe he set a record for face-off winning percentage at the Memorial Cup uh, with the way he played uh, for the Oil Kings in St. John. Uh, that certainly was not the the biggest move uh, that happened. The Prince Albert Raiders and the Seattle Thunderbirds uh, got together and made a massive deal as Nolan Allen and uh, unsigned prospect Reese Shaw, uh, they are sent from Prince Albert to the Seattle Thunderbirds for a, a whole bucket load. Three players, Gabe Ludwig, uh, Braden Dubay, both of those guys' second-round picks, uh, Easton Kovacs, as well as uh, two firsts, a third, a second, and two sixth-round picks. Uh, all going to the uh, Prince Albert Raiders in that deal. So PA, when you consider what they got from the Oil Kings last year for Caden Gooley and what they get this year from Seattle uh, for Nolan Allen, uh, I, th- I think I saw somebody tweeting, might have been Allen Caldwell, who does a great job of keeping track of uh, who's got what for picks in the WHL. I think he said, right now Prince Albert has three first-rounders, and I think they're all right now, according to the standings, all in the top ten. So PA positioned well to... Uh, kick off their rebuild here in short order. Uh, But that is a big addition for the Seattle Thunderbirds. So uh, in recent weeks, they uh, added uh, Luke Prokop from the Edmonton Oil Kings and now Nolan Allen. That's a first-rounder and a guy who is a WHL champion just added to your blue line, which is already a pretty decent team. But much like the Oil Kings last year, I mean, they they pinpointed that their blue line was something that they could uh, vastly improve, and uh, they went out and did so. So... Uh, Seattle was my preseason pick for the WHL championship this year, and uh, they just got better. Uh, also of note, the Winnipeg Ice added a goaltender in Mason Bopit. Well, they swapped a goaltender as Dawson Cowan goes from Winnipeg to Spokane, as well as some picks in exchange for Mason Bopit and an eighth rounder. But Bopit, to me, I, I thought I was expecting a big year from him, and maybe that was unfair by me because uh, the, the Chiefs struggling this year. Uh, I think this is a situation, a case of a good goaltender on a uh, below-average team, and maybe that has brought down his numbers. Now, I've seen some highlights, and it didn't look to me like Bo Pitt was playing all that well in some of the highlights that I saw. Those are just highlights. Uh, we'll see what he does in Winnipeg and if he can turn his ser- his season around. And this is a guy who was invited to Hockey Canada's uh, U-20 camp this past summer and maybe came out of that camp as uh, one of the favorites to actually crack that roster with the way he played in the summer. I don't think anybody is thinking that right now, uh, but maybe we'll see what happens here with uh, the move to Winnipeg and if that reignites Mason Bopit. Most recently, the Lethbridge Hurricanes made a couple of moves as uh, goaltender Brian Thompson is uh, nearing a return. In fact, he should be ready to go here this weekend by the looks of it as the uh, Hurricanes trade backup goaltender Jared Picklick to the Tri-City Americans as well as uh, overage player Alex Thacker to the Victoria Royals. And the only reason you're doing that is because Brian Thompson is coming back. He's an overager, so they had to move somebody out. A little surprised it was Thacker, but when I looked at the stats for the team, Cole Shepard and Jet Jones are leading the team in scoring. So what are you going to do? So Alex Thacker, who has been a good Lethbridge Hurricane for the last number of years, uh, on his way now to the Victoria Royals. The WHL, not the only league that's uh, seen some big trades here. Uh, three big ones in the OHL this week. Brennan Othman. The New York Rangers draft pick uh, traded by Flint to the Peterborough Peets for Artem Guryev, as well as uh, three draft picks, a second and two third rounders. By comparison, the OHL trades to the WHL trades 
Looks like the uh, price tag a little bit steeper in the WHL this year. The Saginaw Spirit with a big move as well as they unload three assets. Uh, Josh Bloom and Braden Hislop, they're going from Saginaw to North Bay for a couple of players. Cam Gavaro and uh, Nick Sima, as well as one, two, three, four, five draft picks going to the Saginaw Spirit in that deal. And the Guelph Storm, who have uh, really surprised people with how poorly they've played this year. Sasa Pastajov goes from Guelph to Sarnia for Max Nemestikov and four draft picks. Now, you can't trade first-rounders in the OHL, which is interesting. I'd, I wonder if the WHL has ever considered that or not. I'm not sure. But some big moves uh, in the OHL as well. Uh, nothing here recently in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, really quickly, skip to the USHL's uh, top 20 this week. And after some uh, interesting series last weekend, uh, sh another shuffling of the top 20. The top 10, now it's Denver back in the number one spot. Minnesota and Michigan are two and three. St. Cloud stays at number four. Quinnipiac is uh, five. Penn State goes up a couple of spots to number six. Connecticut, highest I've ever seen them ranked. They are now number seven. Minnesota State is eight, Providence nine, and Harvard is the number 10 team right now. The team on the move, Michigan State, they weren't ranked last week. They're up to number 17. And some uh, perennial powerhouse clubs who have uh, struggled this year, most notably I would say North Dakota, they are now ranked number 19. And Northeastern, a little bit surprised to see them sitting at 18 right now. Minnesota Duluth, not in the top 20. Okay, my voice is... Uh, not cooperating. So uh, now real quickly with the Mitchell Miller situation from last week, the uh, Boston Bruins, everybody knows the story now. At this point, uh, it's kind of uh, old news. Uh, last I saw was that he's still on the payroll. The Bruins are trying to figure out what to do. They've got a few options. I know uh, The Athletic did a good story on the options that the Bruins have uh, in this situation. They can try to uh, negotiate a buyout. Uh, they may end up having to just sit there and uh, pay out the contract, which means uh, this kid would get a bunch of money for the next three years. I think the end result of this is that uh, the Bruins look terrible. The agent was on uh, the Cam and Strick podcast with uh, Andy Strickland, and that was uh, the night before the Bruins ended up uh, terminating or trying to uh, terminate that contract. The NHL's decided they're not going to let him play either. <clears throat> but Eustace King, the agent, uh, told a very different story than any of the other uh, versions of the situation that had come out. The thing that sticks with me after all of this is that uh, the, the Bruins failed uh, in all of their due diligence to uh, contact uh, the family, either Isaiah Meyer Crothers or the uh, parents. Eustace King, in doing all of his due diligence on whether he and his firm wanted to represent Mitchell Miller, they feel failed to reach out and talk to the family. And I think if either of those had done so, uh, this wouldn't have proceeded. So it's going to stick to both of them, the agent and the Bruins, for a long time. The agent, uh, during that podcast uh, on the Cam and Strick podcast, talked about how he reached out to Akima Lou uh, and had a 90-minute, what he called a courtesy call. So you give an outsider a 90-minute courtesy call, but you don't contact the family. That It just struck me as really, really odd. And then the next day, the Bruins decided, uh, well, they obviously couldn't live with uh, all the negativity and uh, the backlash from the fan base and the outrage from the hockey community at large. Akeem Alou then put out a statement saying he wasn't on board with any of this and refuted a lot of uh, what uh, Agent Eustace King had to say. And then the family 
Isaiah himself, in his own words, put out a statement. The way it's all played out, really ugly. And the Bruins and uh, Uses King both could have saved themselves a lot of time and effort and negative uh, publicity if they just made a simple phone call. That's my takeaway. All the guests that you hear on the Pipeline Show join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. The Troubled Monk Brewery is located in Red Deer. You can get Troubled Monk throughout Alberta at any liquor store. At least it's available to them. If you go in and your favorite liquor store doesn't have Troubled Monk, ask them to bring it in for you because it is available to them. Go to troubledmonk.com shop and you can place your order online and pick it up either at the tap room in Red Deer or in Edmonton at the Farmer's Market or in the Calgary Farmer's Market. Or again, it should be available at your local liquor store. The guests this week, well, okay, I told you there's going to be three from last week and one from this week. We're going to start with this week's uh, guest. It's uh, Bradley Nadeau, who is uh, ripping up the BCHL with the Penticton Vs. He is a he's a native New Brunswicker, but he's playing in the BCHL, and he's headed to Maine uh, for the NCAA. We'll talk to him. Uh, last week's guest that uh, will share those interviews uh, this week, uh, Mark Diver, who covers the Providence Friars and the Providence Bruins out of the NCAA and the AHL, respectively. Uh, he was on last week to set up last weekend's a big game, big series between UConn and uh, the Friars. Also talked to him about Mitchell Miller signing with the uh, Bruins organization. Uh, Hunter Brestevich is a defenseman with the Kitchener Rangers. That's a 2023 draft spotlight. And a Perry Bergson from the Brandon Sun. I chatted with him about the uh, WHL's Eastern Conference uh, no, those three interviews, for the most part, they're still going to be, they're not going to be dated, but there are some elements of those conversations, obviously, that we're setting up for last weekend's action, but not the entire interview. So we're going to compile those three with uh, the conversation this week with Bradley Nadeau, and that's where we're going to start with Bradley Nadeau from the Penticton Vs. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hey, it's Tyson Jost from the Pentecton Vs. Jost racing back at center by himself. End to end. Jost shooting scores! Tyson Jost does it himself. End to end with 2.11 to go. And you're listening to the Pipeline Show. One hopeful road that my mama showed to me from the Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And badass. It is badass. Really cool. Badass, yeah. We are back on The Pipeline Show, and we are going to begin this week's episode with a 2023 draft spotlight to get to know another player who is eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. Uh, for that, we're going to head out to the BCHL. But a quick reminder that the program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. You can get it anywhere in Western Canada. The will the uh, website is wilhawkbeefjerky.com, W-I-L-H-A-U-K, beefjerky.com. All right, today we are heading out to the uh, BCHL and the Penticton Vs, who are having a fantastic start to the year. 
Can't get any better than perfection. 18-0 and to begin the season. And uh, the team's leading scorer is also draft eligible this year. And I'm pleased to be joined by him now, uh, Bradley Nadeau. Welcome uh, to the Pipeline Show, Bradley. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Well, I'm a little under the weather, actually. But <laughs> the start of the season for you and for the Penticton Vs, uh, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Uh, what's gone right for you and your team this year other than everything? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, ha- like having the group of guys we have, uh, it- it's special because uh, we have 14 returning players from last year, and uh, we won last year, so that's something uh, that, like, we know we have a winning group, so everyone's winning to everyone's willing to bring something to the table and work hard every game, every practice. I think that's why we're having success, and, uh, you know, it- it's easier to have success as a person like personal success when you when you have success as a team so i think if we keep having success or if, if players keep doing that well we'll keep having success as the season goes on for yourself 46 points last year as a rookie in the bchl that was in 49 games uh you're blowing way past those numbers already this year uh you have 36 points in 18 games two points per game pace right now does that surprise you or did you think this year you could have that sort of a season uh, well, it surprised me a little bit. I mean, c- coming, uh, you know, last year as a rookie season, um, almost a point a game that, that was something, you know, I, I got to play with my brother too. That, that was something special. I mean, we have great chemistry together and that helps a lot, but, uh, I wasn't expecting this year to be, uh, this good so far, but I mean, I get to play with my brother again and our new centerman's one of the best players in the league as well. So, I think that's why, um, you know, I have great success so far this season, and I hope uh, as the season goes on, it it keeps uh, going great. Uh, Josh is your brother. He's a little bit older than you are, correct? Uh, Did you guys get to play uh, on the same teams growing up, or is this something new and special for you here in Penticton? No, this is something new. I mean, growing up, uh, two years difference, um, you know, all the minor hockey was always, uh, yeah, we were always separate because right. he was two years older. But uh, yeah, last year was our first in, uh, first year playing together, and this year is our second year, and it's uh, something special to do it with my brother. When uh, you have a great season like that this year and last year, we got to win, so that's something special, and I wouldn't change it if I could. Uh, the sheet I'm looking at says you're on the left wing and he's on the right wing. Uh, is that accurate? Yeah. First off, uh, who's the centerman for you? Is that uh, Adar? Uh, no, this is Dovar Timling. Uh, he's a new player coming from the USHL last year. Okay. Uh, what is it th- that uh, that chemistry is there for you guys? Uh, what makes that line click? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I got to play with my brother last year. I think that that's where the chemistry came with my brother. And uh, Dovar is just a smart player. You know, he fits well uh, in the middle of me and my brother. I think that that's uh, why it clicks early this season, but I think there's a lot more uh, chemistry that could build up uh, as the season goes on. Bradley Nadeau is my guest. He's a uh, forward with the Penticton Vs and uh, having a terrific season, leading the BCHL in scoring, and uh, the, the Vs are leading the league uh, in standings with a perfect 18-0 and record. Uh, Bradley, uh, this part of the show, what we like to do is let my audience get to know somebody that's draft eligible like you are, and uh, my regular audience, uh, the the Pipeline Show is a, a junior and college hockey show, so my regular audience will will follow the BCHL and and junior hockey in general, and and uh, they'll know about Maine and uh, going to play for the Black Bears. But there'll be a lot of NHL fans who listen to a segment like this because you're draft eligible, and a lot of casual NHL fans don't care about junior or college hockey. So, for the benefit of those people, 
Uh, let's get a bit of background. Uh, I know where you grew up. I know the area pretty well. Uh, but for the audience, uh, tell me uh, where you're from. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Saint Francois, New Brunswick. It's a small town, French uh, French town, and uh, like I said, it's a really small town. There's less than uh, I think I'd say thousand people, maybe less than that. So it's really small. But uh, I got to grow up there and on a farm, and I think that was something uh, special. Uh, now, for those who don't know, that's around Edmonston, uh, Edmonston, not Edmonton, but Edmonston, New Brunswick. It's uh, what about forty-five minutes from the Quebec border. Yeah. Now, playing minor hockey, once you get to a certain level, you probably have to travel away a little bit to get to play against better and play with better players. So how far did you have to go to uh, once you started playing competitively? Yeah, that, uh, that, that was something, uh, you know, my parents had to make a big sacrifice growing up. Um, like I said, I live in the small town, so the closest uh, AAA team, uh, I started playing AAA peewee and that i i had to travel like um i think it was an hour and 15 to go to practice and like the home games and then uh, the year after uh, i played bantam triple a that was even further because uh you know the region just they don't have that many players so they have to go further i think that was like an hour and 30 or 40 to go to practice and home games so you know there was a lot of traveling but i think it, it's paying off right now where was that fredericton uh, well, I played my midget in Fredericton. That was I was on the billet. I didn't have to travel that year. But the two years before that, I played uh, in St. Leonard, my peewee, and then Perd and Dover, um, my bantam. Okay, St. Leonard, home of the big uh, Irving uh, pulp mill there yeah. in uh, St. Leonard. Got a lot of family that work at that mill, by I got to tell you. Um, tell me, have you always been a forward, or at a young age, did you ever play defense or, heck, even throw the pads on? Yeah, uh, I played one year defense um, when I was young. I think it was Adam. I I was playing. Uh, I was supposed to be novice, and then I I played a year older, and uh, they put me on defense because they needed players. You know, we didn't have that many players uh, back home at the small town we had. Been, but other than that, I played um, forward. I mean, winger my whole life. Other than that season. I know a lot of players will tell me that maybe at a really young age, maybe you were six or seven or eight, your team might not have had a full-time goaltender, so everybody has to take their turn. Uh, did you have a game like that? Uh, I played goalie once, one game. Our yeah. goalie was missing, and I just wanted to try it. So um, that that was something really fun, actually. And how did you do? Uh, we won. I think it was a high-scoring game, though. I think it was 7-6, but uh, I got the win, so I was uh, happy about it. Uh, now, who got you into hockey at a young age? I know Canadian, a Canadian kid, you probably, a lot a lot of friends were playing, and your brother was uh, playing. I know your dad played, though, too. Yeah, I think uh, my dad's the one that got me into hockey. Um, you know, at four, I was four years old, my brother was six, and uh, he was just outside, you know, building rinks and stuff for us to skate, and um, growing up, I, I got to watch him play, and that really gave me like the fever of hockey. So I'd say he's the one that started uh, me wanting to play hockey. And he was playing up until I don't know if he's playing this year, but I, I'm looking at elite prospects, and they list him in in uh, playing uh, back there in uh, Edmonton, I think, with uh, in the CRL. I'm not familiar with that league. What is that league? Uh, that's a senior league. Yeah, he played. Um, I think I'm not sure. I, more than 20 years in that league. Yeah. But unfortunately, I don't think, because uh, that was hometown where uh, I grew up, St. Francois, the team was. Okay. So 
but unfortunately, I think this year they don't have a team uh, due to um, financial or uh, I don't know really what the reason is, but I don't think he'll play this year. Okay, I see. Uh, all right, well, tell me how you get from New Brunswick to British Columbia. I mean, it's, it's hard to go any further than that across the country. Uh, what led you to Penticton? Yeah, last year was my first year junior. I wanted to start uh, my junior career in a great spot, and I was looking, you know, for options, and uh, Penticton was one of them, and I heard so many great things about Penticton. You know, it was a great organization. I've heard that they had great fans here, and, uh, you know, while looking for options, there was a few options where I, I would have got to play with my brother, and when Penticton, you know, I heard that that was one of the options that, I could play with him you know I, I really wanted to come here and uh, uh, I got lucky uh, I got fortunate enough to have a good season last year you know we got to win the BCHL so I think that's why uh, I'm here now and uh, really enjoy it. So did Fred Harbinson uh, call you or did uh, you call him or was that like with your uh, your family advisor not your agent but uh, your family advisor who set all that up? Um, well it was Two years ago, I think it was uh, their um, scout. They have scouts here, and uh, mm. they just reached out to me, and uh, I got to. They they did like a Zoom call, and all the coaching staff was there, and they were just you know talking about their program, and uh, they they really, uh, you know, it, it was it was just unbelievable the program they had, and now they uh, explained it to me, and I just wanted after like that Zoom call, I, I just knew I wanted to come play here. Well, it seems to be working out uh, pretty well for you. Now, I know you're eventually going to go to Maine. Uh, I guess geographically it would be one of the closer Division One schools to your hometown. Uh, did that play a part of it, or why didn't Maine become the right program for you? Yeah, it did. I mean, growing up, that was like the only uh, NCAA team I heard of. And uh, um, when I was looking for, um, you know, to, for options uh, to commit, um, Maine was one of them, and uh, – you know, I got to I got to visit their program. I think it was two or, or four years ago, I think. And uh, you know, watching that that game, be, it was before COVID, so they had their fans and everything. And that student section was just uh, it, it was unbelievable to see them. And uh, I didn't have to look much further. And also uh, knowing that my brother was also coming here, that that made a small impact in the decision for sure. Had he already committed to Maine before you did? Yeah, he had. Oh, okay. So it seems like a pretty natural fit then. You guys are enjoying playing together in, in the BCHL. Why wouldn't you uh, team up again at the NCAA level for sure? Bradley Nadeau is my guest. He's uh, forward with the Penticton Bs. Uh, the sheet I'm looking at, uh, Bradley, lists you at uh, five foot ten and 163 pounds. I don't know how up-to-date that is. Uh, what are you at right now? Uh, yeah, that that is up to date. I think uh, they got those measurements in the Chilliwack Showcase, but that's the good information. Okay. Now, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play yet, we can look and we can see you're an, obviously an offensive player. Maybe the the numbers don't tell the whole story, though. How do you describe yourself as a player? Can you give us a, a bit of a self-scouting report? Yeah, I think I'm a good playmaker on the ice and uh, I like to think I'm also a two-way player um I'm responsible defensively and uh, you know I, I got the offense too that that's a part of my game that uh I take uh proud in and but uh I, I'd say I'm also a two-way player you know um when, when it comes to tight games uh I think uh 
you know, the coaching staff have a lot of trust in me, like just to defend as well. So uh, overall, I, I describe myself as, uh, you know, well, two-way player, but like mostly offensively as well. Like I, I, I like to produce a lot. 17 goals, 19 assists. Do you see yourself more as a shooter or the guy who sets up the play? That that's a tough question. I'd say last year I felt more of a playmaker, but this year, um, you know, I I think just tanks like they go they go right for me. So I I like to think I'm more of a shooter this year. Are you a guy at the start of the season who sets like a, a target, a, a statistical target? I want to get this many goals or this many points. Do you do things like that? Uh, well. Kinda, yeah. I mean, I I mostly just do it in my head. Like I I know there's some players that likes to write it down, but um, yeah, at the start of the year, I had goals like in my head, but um, nothing really like on paper or anything. Is the draft something that you spend much time thinking about? Uh, I I don't know if uh, you you're there are a lot of scouts probably watching your games. I would have to think, especially with how strong that you guys are playing. Uh, but is it something that you spend much time thinking about? A lot of players will tell me they don't want to think about the draft because they don't want to get distracted. But there are other players who tell me they want to know where TSN has them ranked or Sportsnet or Central Scouting, and they use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you, Bradley? Yeah, for myself, I like to uh, you know block those things on like the rankings and the lists and stuff. It's hard to completely like uh, block it though with uh, social media and like friends and family. Mm-hmm. But I think the more I, I can like put that away, the the better I like perform. So, you know, it, it's like I said, it's it's almost impossible to completely block it. But I, I like to try to avoid it the more possible. All right. Well, growing up in uh, North New Brunswick, I guess uh, Montreal, maybe Boston, one of those two teams would probably be the closest to you. Uh, as a kid, I don't know if you got to travel and, and watch any NHL games, but did you have a favorite team growing up? Yeah, Montreal was my favorite team. You know, it was the closest one, and I just grew up watching them. Uh, I I was fortunate enough to go watch one game growing up. I wish I would have watched a bit more, but uh, with uh, me playing hockey and stuff, we didn't have much time. Yeah, and it's not really that close either. Probably a six, seven-hour drive. That's a five-hour drive, yeah. Oh Well, you were speeding then. It took me six hours. Uh, is there anybody at the, uh, whether they're Montreal Canadiens or not, but that you look to in the NHL and, and you can see, well, they're about, you know, you're not the biggest guy in the world, but this guy is my size and he's having success. Maybe I should uh, try to watch how he plays and, and add that to my game. Is there somebody like that that comes to mind? Yeah, there there's a few players. I mean, I like watching uh, Sidney Crosby for, like, the details and stuff that he does everything right on the ice. And I can, like, when I watch him, I can learn a lot of stuff. But I also like watching Mitch Marner because I feel like he's got the same playing style as me. He plays um, power play, penalty kill, even strength. So I like to base my, my game around uh, how he plays. Excellent. Well, Bradley, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, next game for the Penticton Vs is on uh, Friday, I believe, against the West Kelowna Warriors. They're, they're second place in your division, but they're way back in the rearview mirror from you guys right now, but uh, might be your uh, toughest opponent so far this season. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way this year. I really appreciate your time, and I hope we can chat again maybe once you're uh, with the main Black Bears. All right, thank you. That's a Bradley Nadeau from the Penticton Vs on his way to uh, play for the University of Maine, the Black Bears. Not unlike a uh, young Paul Correa, who played a couple of years at Maine and before that played in Penticton. Not for the Vs, mind you, but for the Penticton Panthers. And he was uh, scoring over 100 points 
back in the early 1990s, that uh, Paul Correa, but about the same size as uh, Nadeau. Not going to draw any comparisons between those two. I was just looking at Paul Correa's numbers at Maine. He had 100 points as a freshman. 100 in 39 games. Absolutely mind-blowing. Guys get 40, 50 points now, and it's amazing. 100 points for Paul Correa as a freshman back in 1992-93 with the University of Maine. Anyway, I saw Nadeau was uh, ripping it up in the BCHL and that he was draft eligible and uh, saw that he's from a part of New Brunswick that I'm very familiar with. I have a lot of family roots there. Not the exact same town. He's from uh, St. Francois. Uh, my family is all from St. Anne, but in that Edmonston area. I was just there back in uh, September. So definitely wanted to get him on the show. I was glad I was able to track him down. My apologies. If you can't tell, my voice is shot. Uh, I uh, picked up some sort of bug on the weekend, not COVID, but it is uh, kicking my butt. Right now, as I'm speaking with you, and uh, I recorded that interview with Bradley Nadeau on uh, Monday afternoon, and here I am getting it all edited and out for uh, patrons, patreon.com slash show, so they have early access, and they can hear it the same day that I did the interview. Anyway, my voice is uh, messed up, so uh, as this episode goes on, you know, there might be an interview on Tuesday, another one on Wednesday, another one on Thursday. And hopefully, my voice will be getting better and not worse. But we'll see how that plays out. That was a 2023 Draft Spotlight segment. Do we keep that turned on or do something else? Find out when we come back. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. And Raymond stays with a one from Nier, pokes it ahead, still has it. Rolling puck, Lafreniere works in, shoots, scores! What a goal by Alexi Lafreniere! A superstar in the making! This is Alexi Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The store next door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks, a lot, a whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I can't sugarcoat this. We're at threat level midnight. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show with E Flaming. The program is brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Go to wilhawkbeefjerky.com. But our college hockey segments always uh, brought to us by our friends at College Hockey, Inc. If you're a player or you have one in your family and you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain your NCAA eligibility, go to collegehockeyinc.com and uh, maybe get in touch with uh, Mike Snee or the crew over there. and They can handle any questions that you might have uh, about uh, maintaining your eligibility. All right, we are going to talk a little college hockey. We're also going to dip our toes in the American Hockey League 
uh, this week uh, because my next guest can do both. Uh, Mark Diver, who writes for the New England Hockey Journal as well as uh, NHL.com. Uh, Mark, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. It's been a little while. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good, uh, Guy. It's glad, I'm glad to uh, glad to hear from you and uh, and ready to talk uh, some college hockey and AHL. Well, it's uh, perfect timing because not only are the Providence Friars uh, playing some excellent hockey right now, but so are the uh, Providence Bruins, uh, the top team in the American Hockey League. So maybe we'll start with uh, the Friars. There was big weekend clash coming up against UConn. These are two of the top teams in hockey East. And I'm not sure that everybody saw this coming from UConn and Providence, but um, I, I actually predicted uh, correctly for once, and I don't usually toot my own horn, but uh, if I get something right, I have to. Uh, but I thought UConn was going to be a surprise team this year for a lot of people, and they certainly looked that way. How do you size up this matchup this weekend? Well, I think it'll be uh, it'll be uh, a celebration of, of heavy hockey because um, both teams play that way. Um UConn, I don't think there's a team in in hockey East, at least, that hits like they do. They they just play a very physical style of hockey. And Providence, you know, they kind of got away from their identity the last couple of years, maybe, but they're back to it this year with a with a big uh, physical team. Uh, so, you know, two uh, two similar teams that play similar styles. Uh, I think that's what we're uh, what we're going to have this weekend. Oh, who's who's leading the way this year for the Friars' uh, perspective? I know statistically it's Ry- Riley Duran, who's a, a sophomore. Um, but is 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 it his team, or do you get the sense that there's uh, another a player at the top when it comes to leadership? Well, uh, Parker Ford is uh, is just, is a tremendous leader and just a standout player. Um, a kid who uh, you know had NHL offers last spring, elected to come back for another year. Hmm. Um, he'll he'll be uh, he'll be in demand uh, next spring when the season ends uh, by NHL teams. Uh, he's not big; he's maybe five nine, uh, but he has a motor that just goes nonstop. Uh, so he's uh, he's an important part of the team. Uh, Brett Berard is a big a big uh, part of it too. Uh, the New York Rangers draft pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Took that unfortunate penalty in the World Juniors, uh, which uh, you know uh, was a was a tough one to take. But uh, he's a very talented and you know charismatic player, I guess uh, you could say. Um, again, on the smaller side, but just a buzzsaw. Uh, you know, there's a lot of. I think he models his game after Brad Marchand okay. um, a little bit. You know that kind of uh, that kind of a player, just nonstop. Uh, effort and with uh, with a lot of speed and some good skill to go along with it. So those two guys are are, are uh, keys to to Providence. Yeah, not a big player either. Uh, listed at five foot nine. So a couple of the uh, the key guys for Providence on the smaller side. That's not the same on the back end though. There's some absolute redwoods back there, including Tage Harding, who comes from our neck of the woods. He's about his home's about ten minutes away from where I'm sitting right now uh, in St. Albert, Alberta. But listed at six seven and. Uh, 230 pounds the sheet i'm looking at might be even bigger than that now but this back end for uh, providence uh, it's it's almost like a counterbalance to the uh the smaller forwards yeah yeah and it's a it's a very uh it's a very skilled uh group on d you know yeah they're big but they're they're doing more than just uh you know mashing bodies back there they've got guys who can who can handle the puck uh 
Crozier and uh, Richard um, are both very good with the puck. Uh, Connor Kelly as well, a Chicago draft pick. Um, and Tage Harding, he's one of the most improved players probably in Hockey East this year. Um, came in at Christmas last year, Christmas time, out of the uh, Alberta League where he was, as you know, putting up a lot of numbers. Um, and he, you know, the adjustment to uh, to playing college hockey from, from junior uh, is a big one. And he got a start on that last year. And this year he's, I mean, he's improving with every game. Um, not only not only is a good is he a good defender, but he's 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 a good offensive player too. He's got a good stick, um, and he's he's uh, his offense is coming out more, I think, than last year. Last year he was as the new guy. It's just you know don't uh, don't screw up, just right. play it safe. Uh, and this year he's been more offensive, uh, more more uh active with the puck um nate lehman even had him taking a couple of face-offs in the offensive zone on power plays a couple of weekends ago because thinking that rightly that at six seven you know his reach and his size would uh would be effective and, and it was so uh things are really looking up for uh for Tage harding you mentioned uh, Guillaume Richard as well, and I, I wonder if this, this is a, another Canadian who's uh, south of the border, and I always kind of touch on the, the Canadians that are standing out, but this is a Columbus Blue Jackets draft pick. Might not be the most offensive guy in the world, but I, I get the sense that that's not really his game anyway. Can you give us a, a bit of a perspective on, on Guillaume Richard? Well, he's a very good puck handler. Um, he doesn't have numbers, though, uh, you know, that uh, – he doesn't have the numbers that would tell you, hey, this guy's an offensive defenseman. But I think that's, you know, that's kind of what he what he's going to hang his hat on is moving pucks, and uh, you know, he's effective. He he can play the point on the power play. Um, he, you know, needs to. I think like like a lot of young uh, young kids, needs to add some muscle. Um, you know, he's not uh, he's on the slight side. Uh, but I think he'll be a better player when he when he matures a little and grows up, grows into his body a little bit more. But uh, he's a he's a good prospect. Mark Diver writes for the New England Hockey Journal, and my guest here on the Pipeline Show as we look ahead to this weekend's weekend series uh, between the Providence Friars and the Yukon Huskies. Uh, now, switch uh, to the Huskies for a second. I got to ask you about Matthew Wood. You've been uh, covering this league uh, and college hockey for a long time. It's hard to be a an 18 or a 19 year old freshman, let alone a 17 year old freshman, and this guy is just ripping it up right now. Pretty impressive, isn't it? Very, very impressive. Yes. Um, you know the way you just don't see guys at any age that that release the puck as quickly and and as he does. He just it's on his stick and off his stick in uh you know in a heartbeat. Um, and you know as a 17 year old, he's he's not he hasn't shown the least bit of hesitation in going into uh you know the hard areas um you know he is six three but yeah you know he, he's uh he doesn't have uh he doesn't have the you know sort of the man strength that some of the 21 22 year olds have in this league so but he's not a, he doesn't hesitate he gets right in there um he's been very impressive uh so far um and all of uconn's games uh draw nhl scouts in droves they're they're all watching them for for obvious reasons 
who else from the uh, the Huskies is somebody that uh, the the Friars are going to have to contend with? I know Wood isn't their leading scorer right now, and happens to be another Canadian that's uh, having a strong year. Yeah, Ryan Teverberg for uh, the Toronto kid mm-hmm. and uh, Toronto draft pick is uh, is their most dynamic offensive player. You know, uh, he's he's just uh, a difference maker at this at this level. Um, I think uh, I think he was drafted in the seventh round, maybe by the Leafs. Uh, he's a he's a terrific player. Um, kind of came out of nowhere, I think, last year. I, I don't think I don't think uh, he was one of those kids that's highly touted coming in. Yeah, because he played. I, I believe he played in the Ontario Junior Hockey League. It's, yeah, it's not uh, not a league that draws a lot of attention down here, right? So nobody knew about him, but he. he He's been, uh, he's a guy you really have to watch, um, you know, breakaways, things like that. He's just a very, he's a dynamic player. Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe a little under the radar. And I know when he got the invite to try out for Canada's World Junior Team last year, there were a lot of, who is that? Uh, and yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't end up making the team, but uh, I think he was pretty close. And uh, Mark Diver is my guest. He covers uh, Hockey East and uh, other parts of uh, New England hockey for the New England Hockey Journal. Uh, is my guess. Let's uh, change gears to the uh, American Hockey League and the the Providence Bruins, top team in the American Hockey League right now by points and by winning percentage. What's going right for the Bruins? Well, they have an, a group of uh, rookies that really are uh, have been very impressive. Um, you know, you never know in in the American Hockey League how uh, how the draft picks and the highly touted guys and and how are they going to make the transition right it's one thing to have credentials in junior or you know in europe and in college until you actually play in the league you don't you don't there's no guarantees right um but this year uh, for them the young guys are pretty much all they're all coming through at this point they're they're delivering uh you know on what maybe uh the scouts in boston thought uh thought they would be so they've got they've got a you know a group of rookies led by fabian lysel the first round pick of boston uh you know he's been he's been very good this you know segments of the fan base who want him you know called up tomorrow to (laughs) the nhl uh but uh you know he he i would say he needs a year in in the american league wouldn't shock me if he got a couple, a call up for a few games here uh, by the end of the year, but uh, he's been good. Um, Johnny Beecher's here, first round pick. Uh, one guy who's really been a pleasant surprise from uh, from out west is Luke Toporowski. Yep. Um, I don't know how this, I don't know how this kid didn't get drafted. I mean, he. Uh, he shoots from all over the place. Uh, he drives the net, even though he's not big. He gets in there, gets his nose dirty. I think he's got five goals. I mean, he just does things in every game that make you that make you think, "Geez, you know, how did this guy not get drafted?" So, uh, you know, those three have been very good, um, and uh, you know, they've mixed in veteran. American League veterans like Vinny Letary, uh, 
um, Connor Carrick, Dan Renouf, you know, depth guys that uh, can go up to Boston if there's an injury and, and play, spend some time. But down here in the American League, uh, they, you know, they're uh, they're really good players. Uh, and another one I should mention is Paul, is uh, Chris Wagner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, did enough in the eyes of a lot of people. He did enough in Boston camp to make their team, but for cap reasons or whatever, they sent him down. And he is he's a leader like uh, like you read about. You know. Every day, every every game, he uh, every shift, he just gives it everything he has and kind of leads the way. So uh, Providence has been really fun to watch so far. I uh, I hope it continues. Um, you know, they got some goalie issues now with injuries in Boston and uh, in Providence. So hopefully that uh, that won't derail them too much, but uh, we shall see. Well, we knew Fabian LaSalle from uh, his time with the Vancouver Giants last year in the Western Hockey League, and he was really, really impressive there. And Luke Toporowski, who you mentioned, uh, you're right. I mean, his time in in Spokane with the uh, Spokane Chiefs, he was almost a point-per-game player all the time. It seemed like he was just, I don't know, the next guy on every NHL team's list to to draft yeah, uh, and just didn't ever seem to get his name called. And then he finished last year with the Kamloops Blazers, and they were, I mean, he was outstanding. Uh, for them, really took his game to another level. So I'm sure he's uh, entering a professional hockey with a uh, a boatload of confidence. Great to see him get off to such a good start. Uh, you mentioned Johnny Beecher, and I wanted to go back to that for a second because he's only got a couple of points, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's playing poorly. Is that just the role we expect from him now? He's not going to be, as a professional, not going to be a point guy? Uh, that's maybe not his role? You hit the nail on the head. He, he's not going to be a point guy. He's not going to be a power play guy. He's going to be a bottom six, you know, third, fourth line center who can skate like the wind, mm-hmm. who can kill penalties, who, uh, you know, on his, on, on his good days is, uh, is engaged and is physical because he's, he's got some size. Um, you know, there have been, uh, he's had his off nights here, uh, so far. He came in here last spring and really was tremendous right off the bat. Um, this uh, starting this year, uh, he had a good uh, a good uh, showing at the Prospects Challenge in Buffalo le- a couple months ago. Um, but starting the season in Providence, he's he uh, he started slow. Um, he's had some good nights since then, and uh, you know I'm sure they're looking for him to continue that. But uh, you know I think his tools. You look at his tools and. Uh, you know, if he can put it together a little bit, he, he could be an NHL player for a long time. Mm. Not a top-line NHL player, but an NHL player, the kind of, you know, effective, big, strong, strong skating center that, that teams need. So it's, a, you know, it's up to him to deliver on that now. Last active player I wanted to ask you about was the goaltender in Brandon Bussey, who was uh, outstanding at the uh, with the Western Michigan Broncos uh, in uh, NCHC hockey. I, you talked about the the goaltending troubles for the NHL Bruins and the American Hockey League Bruins. Well, Bussy comes in. He's only played two games, but he's won them both and one of them by shutout. Looks like he's off to a pretty good start here too. Well, he is. He played some games at the end of last year and and, and had good success. Uh, so he's he's not coming into the league having played no games. He he, he has a handful, but 
I mean, the situation he was in this weekend, you know, would have uh, a lot of uh, goalies would have melted uh, under the uh, the spotlight or the scrutiny that he was under. Mm-hmm. He comes into a game in Springfield. Uh, you know, he started the season in the East Coast League. Jeremy Swayman gets hurt, so uh, Keith Kincaid gets called up to Boston. Bussy comes to Providence. They're playing in Springfield in the first period. Kyle Kaiser goes down with an inju- a knee injury. Uh, the severity uh, still unknown at this point, but Bussy has to go in there and he let in a couple of goals, but uh, when the game was on the line in the last five minutes, he made about a half a dozen really good saves to uh, to get them out of there with a win. Then the next day in Bridgeport, he uh, you know he pitches a shutout, and again down the stretch when uh, when the game is there to be won or lost, he uh, he came through with uh, with some terrific saves. Uh, the kid really really battles. He that's. Uh, that seems to be his uh, one of his best traits. Um, he's also like six six, so yeah. that doesn't hurt. But uh, <laughs> I mean, he he, uh, he he was very impressive last weekend. Um, with uh, with that, you know, his compete level was just uh, off the charts. Uh, lastly, Mark, before I let you go, you know, I got to ask you about the the whole Mitchell Miller uh, situation with the uh, the NHL Bruins and how that was going to trickle down uh, for the American Hockey League uh, Providence Bruins. What was the reaction there? I don't know if he actually ever made it to Providence to start working out with the team. It's it's all moot now because it's been uh, washed away. But what was the what was the atmosphere like there? Well, I don't. I think it was somewhat similar to Boston. Uh, players didn't really want to have to answer, you know, for that situation. They they don't know the kid. They don't know what happened. Uh, so why should they be put in the situation of having to? face the cameras and, and, you know, talk about it. It, it, it. So that was, it didn't come to that, but uh, I know uh, guys were not looking forward to that if it, if it did happen, but uh, he actually was uh, here. Um, I watched him in a couple of practices. I talked to him one, one day. Um, and I got to say, people don't want to hear this, but uh, if you look beyond, uh, and it's hard to do look beyond the, the person, Right. If you look at the player, the kid is a tremendous hockey player. Right. That's a moot point. Right. We, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not minimizing, uh, you know, the person uh, and and what he's done. But uh, practicing with the team, he he handles the puck so well. I mean, he's like, uh, he's Tony D'Angelo 2.0 is mm-hmm. what he is. Um, and uh, you know, it's a shame. It, it, the whole thing is the Bruins bungled this nine diff, nine thousand different ways. Um, you know, the kid uh, needs to show more remorse uh, or some remorse. I don't. You know, they're piling on him for showing no remorse, and I guess that's that's valid. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't. I don't. I don't know what what is uh, what his path is now. Does he go to Russia? Uh, you know, yeah. there doesn't seem to be any. Uh, any path to pro hockey for him here. So, uh, that he's, uh, he's gone. And, uh, I think, uh, everyone in Providence is, uh, happy to, to put the focus back on what's happening on the ice instead of that other stuff. Agreed. As, as you said, as a hockey player, I mean, he was the USHL player of the year. This, he's a talented player, no question, but, uh, too much baggage uh, to play. 
yep. uh, professionally yep. here in North America. That's for sure. Mark, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I hope we can do this again. Sounds good, Guy. Have a good one. That was Mark Diver from the New England Hockey Journal with uh, thoughts on uh, the Providence Friars, who are playing some pretty good hockey. That's going to be a terrific weekend series, I think, between uh, the uh, Huskies uh, from UConn and the Friars. Also, what's going right for the Providence Bruins in the American Hockey League outside of everything? Man, it's great when your young guys uh, step up like that, and the Bruins are obviously uh, having some early season success with their young players, that's for sure. Also wanted to get his uh, thoughts on the whole Mitchell Mitchell Miller situation as uh, it was going to affect the Bruins uh, at the American Hockey League level. Obviously, that's where he was expected to play uh, for this season. Next up on the Pipeline Show, we're going to turn on the 2023 Draft Spotlight, get to know another player that's eligible for the upcoming NHL Draft. Who that is? Well, it's a defenseman playing in the Ontario Hockey League whose name I'm not 100% how to pronounce. So I'm going to wait until I talk to him. That's next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Oscar Strom, Strom looking back to break it, fires and scores! There's number 50 on the season for Alex Dabrinkit. They'll pick up that puck, it was wired. Hey, it's Alex Dabrinkit from the Erie Otters, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goal. He scores. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. He scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious me. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. And here he is, having the time of his life. We are back on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, and it's available anywhere in Western Canada. Go to wilhockbeefjerky.com. Uh, we are going to turn on the 2023 draft spotlight and get to know another player that is eligible for the uh, next NHL draft. And for this segment, we're heading to the Ontario Hockey League and uh, defenseman Hunter Brustevich uh, from the Kitchener Rangers. Uh, Hunter, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. I appreciate uh, that you're able to uh, make it onto the show this week. And I was also appre- very appreciative that you taught me how to say your name because uh, I, I I said before we started recording, that must be a name that you hear butchered a million different ways. Yeah, it is. But you, you had it right. And uh, I think you got it down maybe the Maybe first or second try. All right. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Uh, all right. Well, tell me about the season so far for you and the, the Kitchener Rangers. It seemed like it was off to a bit of a slow start. Maybe things starting to turn around. Yeah, it went off to a little bit of a slow start. I think we're still trying to find, you know, our uh, identity. I think we're, you know, we're almost to 100% for our identity. But I think once we find that, it's just going to be smooth, uh, smooth sailing from there. So I think we're almost there. And, since, uh, you know, after the first five games, I think it's been pretty good. So Yeah, I think you've won, what, six of your last ten and uh, a couple in a row here. So starting to starting to feel yeah. comfortable with each other. I mean, you get you personally getting to know a lot of new guys and new teammates, uh, but I imagine there's uh, you're not the only one on the team who's in that situation. 
Yes. Yeah. No, I, it's, uh, the chemistry is starting to come along and stuff. So, uh, how about for you on a personal level, uh, to start this year? I mean, you're uh, a point per game player. So on the personal side, I would have to think you're pretty happy with things. And now that it's turning around for the team, that's also great. But it seemed like uh, right from the start, uh, that it was, uh, not that it's easy for you or anything like that, but it didn't seem like you were having a, a, a tough adjustment to a new league. Yeah, no, I was happy with it. Uh, I think, you know, there's some parts of my game that, you know, were need strengthening throughout the uh, little stretch here. But, uh, yeah, no, I was happy with it. I think I adjusted pretty well. So it was, uh, it was a good start. What do you find to be your role on the team? Uh, just an offensive guy that brings, you know, offense to the team and, you know, that will help out any way he can, make uh, make the game easier for his teammates, uh, make a great first pass, clean zone exits, uh, yeah, just all those things. Now, when you say offensive defenseman, uh, you don't have any goals this year. You only scored two last year. So is it more you're more the setup guy and moving the puck to the offensive forwards or, or the guys who are finishing the plays as opposed to you're not the guy with the big wind-up clapper from the back end? Yeah, no, for sure. That's not really... My thing, I like to see my uh, other teammates do their thing, right, and let them let them score and get, you know get all the goals. But uh, anytime I can get a you know chance to shoot the puck and uh, get a goal, I'll try my best. But uh, it's just not finding the net for me right now. But I think uh, I think it's coming soon, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, that's definitely just you know moving the puck and giving it to my teammates. Hunter Bristevich is my guest. He's a defenseman with the Kitchener Rangers. Uh, and uh, Hunter, I was uh, mentioned uh, this is a 2023 draft spotlight segment. The pipeline shows a junior in college hockey show, so my regular audience will will know about you. They'll know about the Rangers. They'll know about the program. But there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who don't pay any attention to junior or college hockey, but they'll listen to this segment because you're a draft eligible player. So, for the benefit of those people who know nothing about you, maybe let's uh, get some background. Uh, where are you from originally? Where'd you grow up? I'm from Washington Township, Michigan. It's about a like an hour north of Detroit. Okay. Uh, and who, how old were you when you first started uh, playing hockey, and who got you into it? Uh, I was five years old. Uh, no one in my family has ever played hockey. I was the first one. So we were just passing by the rink one day, and I asked what that was, just mm-hmm. the building. And uh, it was a hockey rink, my mom said. So I was like, can I try it out? Uh, first day, passed through all the lessons, and that's uh, how I started. Wow. That that were you watching it on TV or anything like that in Michigan? I mean, were you a Detroit Red Wings fan kind of growing up, or or just the building is what intrigued you and interested you in hockey? It's a, it's a different story for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, after I got into hockey a little bit, I was uh, a Red Wings fan, but other than that, when I uh, you know was younger than that, I wasn't really. No one in our family was really watching hockey, so it was just really the building. I don't know why, but it was. Just, I guess, intrigued me. That's interesting. Uh, always a defenseman, Hunter? Uh, no, I was a forward back then when I was, uh, I don't know, maybe 11, 12 years old. Okay. And then one day, uh, our team needed a defenseman for practice, so I tried it, and then I asked to stay back there for the whole time. So I guess the transition worked out. What was it about making the move that felt right for you? I mean, just being the quarterback back there. I think that's mm. my favorite part about it, seeing the whole ice and you know, being able to control the play from there. Having been a forward, do you think it makes you a better defenseman? Because uh, you're going up against forwards, you're battling with them, and maybe from a mindset position, you kind of know what it's like? Um, no, not really. I mean, I don't know. Just because I was maybe a little bit too much younger, 
from it when I was a forward. But maybe if I was older and I got the transition a little bit later, that would have helped. But maybe not just because I was a little bit too young. I wonder if you ever had a, an occasion to throw the pads on. A lot of players I talk with say, you know, they might have been seven or eight or something like that. But at a young age, the team might not have a full-time goaltender. So everybody has to rotate through or something like that. Did you have one of the, a game like that, Hunter? Yeah, I, I threw a, I threw the pads on maybe when I was really, really young. Maybe one of my, my first teams. Right. But ever since, uh, you know, some guys have thrown the pads on in practice for a goalie like a fun skate or something like that, and I never have. So other than when I was really, really young, no. You, you quickly uh, realized that wasn't the, the the position for you? Yeah, I don't think that's my thing for sure. <laughs> when did uh, the getting an opportunity to play for the program become a reality for you? Not when you made the team, but when did it become sort of on your radar and, and uh, a thought that I could actually do that? Uh, maybe when I was, uh, like two years or three years before, mm-hmm. you know, I think growing up as a kid, you go to those games, watching them, and you always want to play for them for sure. But you never really realize that you maybe have the opportunity to play. And maybe that um, possibility maybe came two years before going into my 14-year year. Right. But other than that, like when I watch games uh, before – that I was always wanting to play for them, and it was—it's a—it's always a dream for you, United States kid. So that maybe around then. Well, you, you did uh, get to play a little bit with the U17 squad in in 2021. Uh, that was the COVID year, right? Though, so was there not a whole lot going on for you that year? No, that was that was not uh, a whole lot going on for me for sure. I was uh, hurt that year. So the entire year you were hurt? Uh yes. Pardon my ignorance. I didn't know what the injury was. Uh, is it something that you're able to talk about? Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, it was my shoulder. I was uh, that November. I got surgery on it. And okay. Then, other than that, I played two games the whole season. So uh, that's got to be tough to go through, especially when all your buddies are playing. And from a development perspective, did it feel like it took you a little while to get back on track? No, for sure, it did really take a little bit uh, to find my confidence. For sure, that was probably the biggest part. Hmm. Uh, you know, that was a tough year. Just you know, seeing all the you know, guys going around skating every day. I didn't skate for maybe three, four months. So, you know, I didn't get to do the whole lot. just worked out. And it was tough to see them go on road trips and stuff like that. So Right. Well, you did get to play last year, though, with the U18 squad. And I imagine getting that season under your belt and uh, playing not just with all your buddies, but I know two years at the program, everything leads up to the World U18s at the end of the year. And I know it didn't uh, work out the way you had hoped, but... Uh, just to be able to go through and finish with your buddies. Uh, tell me a little bit about last year, and I, I imagine it must have felt pretty good. It felt really good. Uh, it was a great year. Great. I had uh, great. Best teammates I could probably ask for. We were a super you know, close-knit group, so it was uh, really a fun year. Uh, it was you know, good to play those college games and USHL games for next year. It was a good balance between the two, and it was uh, it was a good test for us. I, I know I always ask the guys, uh, it, it, when you're playing in the program, you're kind of playing USHL a little bit, a lot of NCAA opponents, especially in the U18 year, uh, and then that international component as well, where you're representing the United States at Five Nations tournaments and whatever, uh, and then the world, uh, the, the U18s at the end. But did you have a preference? Uh, of the three kind of opponents, the, the USHL or the college guys or the international stuff, did was one of them something you got up for a little bit more than the others? 
I think everyone would try say, including myself, the uh, international play. Mm. I think that's probably the most fun. I mean, just playing, you know, USA versus other, you know, countries, I guess, uh, would be the probably the best. It was getting up for those games. It always puts a smile on your face, especially when you're playing, you know, rivals. Well, Hunter Brestevich is my guest. He plays for the Kitchener Rangers uh, and uh, played for the United States the last couple of seasons before that. Now, this year, with the decision to come north and play in the OHL, you're certainly not the first a guy who's gone through the uh, National Development Program who's decided to to uh, go the Canadian Hockey League uh, route. Uh, Patrick Kane and uh, both Seth Jones and Caleb Jones. And Why was it the right choice for you to, to uh, join the Kitchener Rangers and, instead of going to the college route? Uh, I definitely, the interview I had with them and the opportunity that I had with them definitely sold me. Uh, when I came up here in April, May, they gave me, you know, the opportunity that I couldn't, you know, pass down. So once I, you know, saw that and saw what they were giving me, um, there was no reason to let it up and let that slide. You know, it was very tough saying goodbye to Michigan, but at the same time, I don't regret it at all. I'm wondering if I know Michigan's uh, been such a strong team here the last few years, and they've got a long list of of uh, guys who are trying to get into the program. Was it about opportunity that if you go to Michigan, you might be playing further down the depth chart than than you'd want to, especially in your NHL draft year, and that in Kitchener you'd have a lot more exposure. You'd have a you'd be playing a bigger role. Did that factor into it? Oh yeah, that was probably like the biggest part into it. So that was uh. That was mainly the final decision. Uh, I'm curious uh, your assessment between the OHL and the USHL, having played a lot of games in that league against, well, not, you played against a lot of USHL opponents. Is there a a comparison to make between uh, the USHL and the OHL from your perspective? Yeah, I would say, uh, I would say the OHL is better. Uh, I think it's a little bit different of a league. Uh, It's definitely more, I would say, honestly, I would say competitive. Uh, I think every team, you know, it's, a, it's definitely a business for them. Mm. And they're trying to win, obviously, every night. And uh, obviously the USHL is too, but it's definitely more, you know, into it and structured and stuff like that. Uh, curious to, to, to get the Americans' take on playing in Canada. We, I've talked to a lot of Canadians who are playing in the States and get the, the, uh, what, the what it's like from that perspective. But uh, from your point of view, what's it like uh, coming up and playing in Canada? Uh, it's definitely a little bit of a change, you know, going from USA to Canada. But I think it's just mainly like the uh, little things for me, you know, going in and maybe not like the biggest things that you would think are uh, different, but just like the little things. But other than that, the, uh, you know, fan base and all my teammates have been very, very uh, welcoming to me. So it's been a good transition. Off the ice, is, it, is there anything weird that you find different strange about Canada outside of like our colored money and stuff like that but it's, we're pretty similar aren't we yeah I would say a little bit but I just say maybe like the little things that are a little bit different like uh maybe like you know the roads on the sign or the signs on the roads uh maybe the lights on the roads right. the grocery stores the gas stations just little stuff like that uh I gotta ask you about the draft is the the, uh, the NHL draft something that you think uh, much about uh, I know when I asked that question to a lot of players Guys will either say, I don't want to think about the draft at all. I don't want to be distracted by it. So they put it to the back of their mind. I do have a lot of players who tell me, I want to know who's got me ranked where. And I use that as motivation. What about for you, Hunter? I think it's a little bit of both for me, for sure. Uh, I think everyone that, you know, says that they don't 
think about it. I think they do for sure. Like mm. myself, you know, I try not to think about it as much as I can, but definitely it, you know, crosses my mind maybe every day or every other day or something like that. But, um, I don't look up anything. Uh, all my teammates tell me if they uh, see anything, which if they tell me, I use that as motivation. But other than that, I just try to not think about it and, you know, let my play do the talking and, you know, just keep my mind motivated and stuff like that. So just getting ready for each every day to go attack it. I, I know because you were with the program last year, a lot of your teammates were drafted and you were a late birthday. So you're not eligible until this year, but do you reach out and talk to, talk to any of those guys anymore about what the, the process was like or what the event itself was like? I know you got teammates this year who have been through it as well. Francesco Pinelli, players like that. Is it something that you guys talk about at all? Uh, I wouldn't say I reach out too often about it, you know, go, being there and, uh, you know, seeing the stuff they did because I was just around them so much right. was uh, definitely, you know, eye opening and, you know, taking all that information in for sure was, uh, you know, good for me to see. But other than that, I just, no, I don't really reach out and talk to them about it. The sheet I'm looking at says six foot, 187 pounds. I don't know how up to date that is, though. Uh, what are you at now? And, uh, I mean, it's like five eleven and a half, almost six. I mean, six foot <laughs> on a good day, maybe. Let your hair grow it a little it, longer, and then it's six. Yeah, it's it's, it's like really, really close. But uh, yeah, I'm like one one eighty eight, one ninety. I hover from there. Like I go up a little bit, and then just come back down. So it just hovers and back and forth. Okay. Uh, for those who haven't had a chance to watch you play, uh, you kind of touched on it earlier, but can you give us a, a self-scouting report? Uh, I'm just uh offensive defenseman that, you know, likes to give the teammates a puck, that likes to make the game easier for them, make clean exit zone passes, you know, run the power play and do all the, you know, hopefully do all the things for my teammates. So other than that, uh, just working on my you know, defensive game, my stick and stuff. Well, excellent. Uh, Hunter, I really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck to you and the Rangers the rest of the way this season. Uh, pass on a hello to Mike Farwell for me, and uh, uh, hopefully we can uh, chat again. For sure. No, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. That was defenseman Hunter Brustevich uh, from the Kitchener Rangers. Uh, last year, played with the U.S. National Development Program, and this year uh, has decided to come north playing major junior in uh, in the OHL. And I definitely did ask him before we started recording uh, how to p- correctly pronounce that last name because I-, I was sounding it out slowly. I was looking at it. And maybe it's exactly how it sounds or how it's spelled. Brustowich or something like that. The way he explained it to me, it actually is really simple. Brustevich. Don't believe me? Here, listen. This is what he said. Uh, Brustevich. There you go. So Hunter Brustevich from the Kitchener Rangers. All right, we got one more segment to go on this week's episode. We're going to look at the WHL's Eastern Conference through the uh, lens of Perry Bergson from the Brandon Sun. That is up next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. And Dallas Fed hit the puck. Now Dallas spins and fires. Hart doesn't have it, does he? No, he kept it out. What a stop by Carter Hart right on the goal line. Woof, skipped off his glove, and it stayed out by millimeters. Hey, it's Carter Hart of the Everett Silver Tips, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Sarah. 
from Buford loves Wilhawk beef jerky. My husband is an expressive fan, prone to waving his arms about, which is unfortunate for those next to him. And the snacks. Do you know how hard it is to get salsa out of carpet? It was a miracle when I found Wilhawk beef jerky. No more crushed chips strewn about or toppled dips. A fistful of jerky can be waved about with little mess to clean up later. Thanks, Wilhawk. Wilhawk beef jerky. It's the best. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. Final segment to go on this week's episode of The Pipeline Show, which, of course, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. Go to wilhawkbeefjerky.com, and we're going to look uh, a little bit at the WHL's Eastern Conference, and uh, my guest to do that, the one and only Perry Bergson from the Brandon Sun. Uh, Perry, welcome back to the program. How are things in Brandon? They're excellent. You know what? You've got me sold on that beef jerky. Good. That's my job. <laughs> well, I have to try that stuff. Uh, you know what I have to figure out is uh, when uh, when you guys come to town, uh, you and everybody, all the other guests that I get on the show, I need to have some in stock. So when, uh, like you always travel, you come up here to watch the Wheat Kings and the Oil Kings. So I should have some here for you. That would be great. All right. Well, Perry, uh, tell me about the, uh, well, let's start with the Brandon Wheat Kings since they're right in your backyard. Uh, currently, as uh, we're chatting right now, they're sitting in a tie for eighth place in the uh, Eastern Conference. Is this what we expected from Brandon this year, or are they a little bit behind schedule? What do you think? I think maybe they're a little bit behind schedule, not a lot. They're on a six-game losing streak right now, mm-hmm. and they're really struggling at home, which is weird because Brandon traditionally has played pretty well at West Toba Place. But this year, I think they're 1-5-2 and two so far at home, which is a terrible record for them. But they I don't know, they're just a little snake bit this year. You know, sometimes when things are going good, you shoot the puck at the net and it hits somebody in the hind end and, and goes in. Brandon's in the opposite phase right now hmm. where they just can't buy a goal. And that's really hurting them. Um, but... If there's one story with the Brandon Wheat Kings this year, it's the play of Carson Bjarnason, their goaltender. Right. He has been lights out good this year. He was the first 16-year-old that Brandon kept since 1990 as a full-time goalie. Um, had 23 appearances last year as a starter this year. When you got a 925 save percentage for a team that's not playing very well, that really tells you something, doesn't it? It does. And when I look at his uh, roster uh, profile on the WHL's website, next to draft, it's blank. Are you telling me that this is a listed player? Okay, well, that's a funny story. In his draft year, Carson apparently was around 5'9", 5'10". Right. Nobody even looked at him. Yeah. Uh, He grew a couple inches that summer and has kept growing, and Brandon listed him early the next season. Wow. So, yes, one of the one of the WHL's top goaltending prospects was undrafted. And this is the guy, I mean Central Scouting, did they not give him an A rating for the uh the 2023 NHL draft this year? I mean that's that's remarkable. <laughs> oh, you know what? Isn't it it's an inspirational story for every kid who doesn't get drafted. For sure. You know, that's just the starting point is getting drafted. What you do after that that's that's on you. Well, this time last year when we were talking with the Wee Kings, it was all about how undermanned they were. They had so many injuries, guys who were still away at NHL camps, whatever it was. I mean, they were playing games where they had 15 skaters at times. Uh, that's not the case this year, though, right? I mean, this year it's what you described. They're a little bit snake bit, getting great goaltending, but just can't find a, a way to outscore the opposition. 
Oh, right now they're down six guys. They've got one defenseman who mm. is sick with something non-COVID. Uh, Mason Ward has an upper body injury, and uh, they lost Ben Thornton during their trip out west. Plus, they have the three guys away at the U-17 Challenge. So for the first time, they are undermanned. They've okay. only got five healthy defensemen right now. But this does not compare to last year. You know, it was like a mash unit. You'd show up at practice, and there'd be six or eight guys in the stands watching practice. <laughs> There's been nothing like that this year. All right. Well, uh, well at least we know when the U-17 is uh, wrapped up that uh, they'll have some uh, new recruits on the way back. Uh, when you've uh, seen, and I know you haven't seen everybody roll through Brandon just yet, and you haven't seen the Wheat Kings play everyone, uh, right now the Winnipeg Ice and the Red Deer Rebels seem to be, it's sort of a, a two-team race at the top of the conference and they met this week for a doubleheader, and Winnipeg won both of them. Uh, that's a, pretty much a statement victory there for the Winnipeg Ice, isn't it? Well, for sure. I think Red Deer learned last night that you can't put the Winnipeg Ice in the power play. I think that Red Deer went four for five last yeah. night, which is uh, that's pretty tough to face down. To me, this was a big question, what was going to happen here, because I think what you saw in the playoffs, and you can you can talk to this better than I can, was that Edmonton was able to push them around a little bit in the playoffs. You know, they're able to kind of take away some of that skill by limiting kind of their space and, and how much time they had. And Red Deer is kind of built like that. Those, those Sutter teams are always big, heavy teams. So my question was, what happens when they roll into Winnipeg? And right. I think we just saw. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that was the advantage that Edmonton had in the playoffs last year was that they're, they're, they were bigger and they were more physical and they're uh, an older veteran team as well. And now Winnipeg's got another year under their belt. I did think that Red Deer might be a team that could take the page out of Edmonton's uh, playbook and have success against Winnipeg. Now, they were doing it uh, this week without Ben King, who obviously one of the top players in the league, so maybe that changes things. And there was also two home games for Winnipeg, uh, so an advantage there. But still, uh, pretty uh, uh, significant victories there for the Winnipeg Ice this week. Uh, when Have you seen Red Deer come through yet? No, they actually come here tomorrow. <laughs> I get my first look at them tomorrow. Yeah, you get a chance to watch the Rebels uh, this weekend, though. What are you expecting? Well, Brandon and Red Deer met in the first round of the playoffs last year. And I'll tell you what, that was man's hockey. That was smash mouth, heavy, heavy hockey. It was a terrific series. Of course, Jaden Group scored in triple overtime in game six to win it. Fantastic series. Probably, overall, the best series that I've seen. And I covered the... 15-16 Brandon Championship team. I like that Red Deer team a lot. I like the way their structure. Uh, Steve Connor Walchuk's obviously an excellent coach. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not much to dislike about that team. I think everybody's question mark was in net, but I think that that has been proven to be uh, an area of strength for them as well this year. Then you got the Saskatoon Blades who made the big trade in the offseason where they uh, gave away, well, I guess they shouldn't say gave away, but they moved Kyle Krenkovic, who was you know, our top five player in the league last year. They trade him to Seattle. They get a Connor Roulette back, so they get a little bit younger in that situation, but uh, they haven't missed a beat. Saskatoon's looking really good. Right now they're uh, one of the hotter teams in the uh, Eastern Conference, and they're sitting in third place right now. Does that surprise you a little? It does for me a little bit. I didn't have them this high at the in the preseason. Absolutely. Uh, this is the biggest surprise to me in the East Division. Uh, you know, you move Kyle Kankovic along. You lost Chase Waters, who graduated a year before. Mm -hmm. Tristan Robbins graduates, and then you lose your outstanding netminder, Nolan Meyer. Mm-hmm. 
So I wasn't sure what I was going to see out of Saskatoon this year. But boy, Connor Roulette has just been fantastic. Um, and I love their uh, their overage defenseman, Aiden de Gorgeon Yeah, yeah. That I, it would have been grade 11 before I learned to spell that name. <laughs> but uh, they are such a nice team. Again, excellent structure. They're fast. They're, they're not a huge team, but there's a lot to like with them. They are easily my biggest surprise in East Division. Now, the team that I thought was going to oh. give Winnipeg a run this year was Moose Jaw, and maybe they've they've underachieved a bit. They seem to be turning it around now. Uh, did you have one more thing to say about Saskatoon? I think I cut you off. Yes, I meant to say that uh, don't forget that Saskatoon is doing this without their excellent import, Igor Sidorov, mm-hmm. who got hurt in Brandon, actually, um, on a solid open ice hit by Trey Johnson uh, that actually cost him a game suspension, but... Um, when he comes back, that's a Blades team that's going to be even better. It's like adding a guy at the deadline without actually giving anything up. Exactly, exactly. Uh, hopefully he's back a long time before then. With Moose Jaw, of course, you start with Fergus Jagger and uh, Matej Chuck. Like, mm-hmm. So much skill in that lineup. They got off to a little bit of a slower start maybe than they hoped for. Maybe that's the weight of the expectations a little bit. Hard to say from the outside. But they, I think in the long run, they're going to be right near the top of the East Division, too. Uh, I don't know. With all that skill in their lineup, I don't know how they wouldn't be. So there seems like there's a, a bit of a, a four-team vanguard, if you will, at the uh, top end of the conference. Teams like Lethbridge, Calgary, Regina, Swift Current, and Brandon, they're all fairly similar, in in my opinion, in, in terms of uh, the, the power structure in the conference. Do you see it differently, or do you see those... Uh, those four teams separating themselves at the top and then everybody else kind of uh, finding their way the rest of the way this year. Oh, for sure. And you know what? You see this every season in the WHL. Things stratify fairly quickly. Every year you have three or four elite teams, and then you've got two or three, maybe four teams at the bottom, and then you've got the mushy middle. Right. All those teams that are kind of trying to figure out where they belong, and that's where Brandon is, and that's where a bunch of teams, you know, you we haven't talked about Regina yet. That's a team that's there. Moose Jaw and Saskatoon are probably there. They're not quite elite, you know, Winnipeg Red Deer yep. level teams. But yeah, that's so that's sort of what we're playing the games for here right now is trying to figure out all those teams where they're going to slot in in the middle. Well, and I know like Calgary's on a, a nice little heating uh, heat streak right now. They've won five in a row. Uh, and Lethbridge is 4-0-0-1 in their last five. But I don't see the, those teams challenging the big guns at the top of the conference. So uh, if there's, you know, if teams are looking for trading partners, so who are they going to pluck guys from? Uh, it's going to be those those types of teams that are looking to uh, peddle some valuable pieces uh, to improve themselves in the long run. Anybody immediately come to mind when you're thinking of who's out there for the contenders to, to try to uh, land this year? Like, is there a, is there a Braden Shen out there this year? Well, to me, the guy that I personally would be after is Nolan Allen out of Prince Albert, yeah. uh, Chicago first-rounder. He is a fantastic defenseman. He just does everything well. You know, Prince Albert is rebuilding right now, too. It's the same sort of hard work uh, philosophy that you've always seen from them. They just don't sort of have the high-end skill that they used to. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen them yet. Just watch them online. But they certainly have an organizational identity, don't they? Like, you can sort of know what to expect. But I think that Nolan Allen has to be traded. He's his 19-year-old season, and he, he's outstanding. Yeah, they're not contenders by any stretch in Prince Albert this year, and he is a valuable guy. 
so you would have to think that uh, anybody who's looking to shore up their defense, they, you could do a lot worse than uh, than grabbing a, a first-round NHL pick like that. Well, you have to wonder, you know, is, is a Cam Loops looking at him? Uh, well, Seattle just actually got a pretty good player back uh, <laughs> that you know quite well. Yes, broke up, yeah. Does Red Deer take a look at him? Um, Winnipeg has already made their move on the blue line. I don't know. Do they look at him? Does somebody even like a Saskatoon think that they're a player away? You know, Prince Albert is going to rebuild some assets here really quickly, I think, with Nolan Allen. That's right. Yeah, I think he can fit into a, a lot of lineups for sure. Uh, you mentioned the Regina Pats. It always kind of circles back to Connor Bedard and what the Pats are going to do there. At the start of the year, I didn't, I wasn't sold that the Pats were a playoff team. I think they are now. Uh, and if they are, they're not trading them, right? Uh, well, what's your take? Well, uh, John Paddock has said repeatedly that they're not going to trade them. There's an interesting discussion that we had there, isn't there, in terms of, you know, what could you get for this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, three first-rounders, four first-rounders. But what's the value to an organization to occasionally hang on to guys like that and to have them graduate into the NHL as a Regina Pat, mm-hmm. you know, to be drafted first overall as a Regina Pat? I place some value on that. I don't know if everybody else does. You know, fans want 30% of the league traded like it happened in 2018. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but Regina, they're kind of a puzzle. You know, I think they're probably as good as their goaltending takes them. Like they've scored 59 goals, but they've given up 60. Right. Like that's the 59 goals is second only to Winnipeg in the East Division. But if you're not keeping the puck out of your own net, that's a problem. And, I'm not. I'm a former goalie, so of course the goalies are blameless in this. Right. Um, it's the forwards and defensemen that uh, you know have to uh, have to prevent those odd man rushes and that. Um, so uh, that Pat's team is hard to read. Uh, and uh, what do you do if you have Connor Bedard probably in his last season? You know, do you buy a little bit? I don't know. Well, they've already started to do that a little bit, right? I mean, they picked up uh, Tanner Brown. They added and they uh, made the move. Didn't they make a move earlier in the year as well at the start to uh, bring in a little bit more veteran help up front? Um, and they made all the goalie swaps in the off season. So I think they're they're doing some tinkering, and it seems to be working. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to have like. To me, it probably doesn't make sense to bring in a Nolan Allen type to there. Um, that's something they did here in Brandon in the 80s, and that's why they missed the playoffs every year. Mm-hmm. You trade your kids for the, the 19-year-old or the 20-year-old, and in the long run, that doesn't get you anywhere. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know what happens with that Regina team. They do have Zach Stringer coming back. I like him. I think he's a good player. Uh, he, I believe, hurt his Achilles, did he not? Yeah, it's something. I mean, he's barely played, though, in the, like the last two years. Well, who knows? Like, Remember, he was a first-rounder. A very, very highly touted first rounder. He went to his hometown, uh, Lethbridge Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. I think there's a player there. So who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Well, you're right. Like between COVID and getting hurt, he's missed a lot of hockey. Yeah. Uh, now, lastly, uh, you've seen a, a couple of the American teams at least uh, rolling through now because of the uh, the conference crossover, and we're we're getting the BC teams here in Alberta this year. Uh, you're getting the American uh, clubs. Have you got a, a, a good viewing of uh, one or two of them so far? And what do you think? That Everett Silvertips team is nice. I really like them. They can play heavy. They can play fast. Uh, they've got a lot of skill up front. They, to me, had a good blue line. Uh, I really like them. Brandon and Tri-City played a real good game. I think Brand, or Tri-City is more, 
kind of in the middle. Like, I have a hard time reading those Western Conference teams because, you know, where's Kamloops vis-a-vis Portland, vis-a-vis Everett, vis-a-vis Seattle? Like, it's hard for me to figure out who slots into where with that group. But, uh, like, I've only seen two of the five teams so far. Okay. And I haven't seen them since I was a boy because of COVID. So I'm learning them all (laughs) over again here. Before I let you go, Perry, uh, what do you got coming up with the Brandon Sun? Because you've always got some monumental work, uh, especially historic stuff with the with the Weekings. It's always great great to, to read those long form uh, pieces that you have. Uh, what do you got coming up uh, shortly? Actually, I've got kind of a neat one, and this comes out of Alberta. Uh, there is a new program called Volt Hockey that is aimed at kids with special needs who actually played in a gym on little carts. <laughs> and you know, I write a lot about the Western Hockey League. But I went to this Volt Hockey thing last night and was really touched by it. You know, these are kids that have been excluded all their lives uh, due to no fault of their own. And for them to have somewhere to go and something to do, I thought it was really meaningful. And, you know, when you cover these healthy, you know, happy teenagers all the time, it was really something to to see these kids. And this was in Alberta? Uh, well, it's it's uh, quite active in Alberta, but it this is... Brandon program is its start in Manitoba. Okay. They actually just had a first world championship um, that Canada sent a team to this year. So it's quite a neat thing. They they actually stick handle with a little, uh, almost like a stick that's at the end of the cart. Okay. So it's, yeah, it was really cool. Interesting. I hadn't heard anything about that. I'm going to look, uh, look for that story for sure. Perry, as always, man, this was fun. Thanks for, uh, thanks for your time. Uh, enjoy the weekend. I know you got uh, a, a nice game to watch here between uh, the Weekings and the Rebels. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Nice uh, Remembrance Day afternoon game. So thanks for having me on again. Perry Bergson from the Brandon Sun with his thoughts on the WHL's Eastern Conference. And right now it's uh, looking a lot like Winnipeg and Red Deer. The top two teams, Moose Jaw and Saskatoon, if they can keep uh, keep pace, it's going to be an interesting uh, second half to the season. I guess we got well, more than half a season still to go. I guess here in Edmonton, it's already been a bit of a long season. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Just the three guests. I had another one uh, that was uh, sort of lining up, but I just ran out of time this week. So we will uh, push that to next week. Speaking of next week, I know I've got uh, a 2023 draft spotlight set up with one of the top CJHL players in uh, in Canada right now. And I think I got to get out to the East Coast again because... uh, some guys in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League absolutely on fire. So we're going to have to catch up with what's happening out there. And we'll keep tabs on uh, everything south of the border as well in the NCAA, USHL, NAHL, and uh, closer to home here in the WHL too. It's a long weekend. Remember why it's a long weekend. And uh, thanks to the servicemen and women who have uh, helped defend our freedoms. Make sure you're wearing your poppies, everybody. Enjoy that weekend. Get out and watch some junior college hockey so that we can chat about it next week right here on another episode of The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name's Keith Flaming. See ya. See ya.